0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of BTS by the Book, a podcast that explores BTS through books. About them, one chapter at a time. I'm your host, the BTS Bookworm. This episode was introduced by a few seconds from the song War of Hormone, which has a direct tie in to the chapter of the day. Uh, And that's a chapter from the book BTS Icons of K pop. This is a fully revised and updated. Version of the book, if I'm not mistaken, the first edition was released in 2017 or 18. This book is authored by Adrian Besley, B-E-S-L-E-Y. The publisher is Michael O'Mara Books, and this was done, this fully revised edition, in 2020. This book is just over 272 pages has 24 chapters. It uh, has a few photos in it, uh, but they are tucked away in two photo-specific spots towards the middle of the book, and so they're not scattered throughout, uh, and for that reason, it feels like a, a normal book, uh, not photo book, but a book with just text but you you get this nice surprise towards the middle of the book with these uh, photo sections i would say there are probably fewer than 30 photos total you may have heard me rave about this book before in 2021 this is the book i would gift someone Uh, maybe a relatively new fan of BTS for Christmas I I find it to be very readable it has a lot of text but it's very readable I think it's an ideal book for someone who's you know and a young adult or older adult fan of BTS you know someone who wouldn't need a hundred two hundred pictures of uh, of the group uh, they just like a good story, and I really feel like this book reads like a story. I just, I've had trouble putting my finger on it, but I think that's what I love about it the most. It's a book that covers BTS's history, for the most part, but yet it's written in such a way to just, it, it almost feels like you're reading a, a novel, sort of. I mean, not quite. But it's got that feel. It's a very enjoyable read, and so I highly recommend it. I do, as always, like to begin episodes like this by reading a few lines, at least, from the preface of the book, the introduction of the book. I'd love for you to understand what the author was intending to do with his or her book. And there are approximately four lines I'd like to uh, read and quote from. Uh, This first portion has to do with the history of the group. This is from the introduction, quote, This book charts the rise of BTS from seven boys with seven dreams to one superstar group of young men who achieved a shared vision of global success. BTS icons of K pop will demonstrate just how they reached such remarkable heights, all while singing and rapping in a language many probably don't understand. I'm going to continue the quote a couple sentences later. The book will also look at the background to BTS's music, detail exactly what it's like to see BTS live, and which big names BTS have met along the way. One more line in the following paragraph. The book will also look at the band's incredible fan base. Army are one of the most, if not the most, informed, dedicated, and unified fandoms in the world. And the last paragraph of the intro has two sentences, three. I guess, that are worth sharing as well. This has to do with the updated version of the book. This book originally told the story of BTS's incredible rise to global popularity. However, since it was first published, they have gone on to achieve so much more. It has therefore been updated to cover their astonishing achievements over the past few years. And as I mentioned at the outset, this book was published in this version of the book was published in 2020, so fairly current. We have covered this book multiple times before. We looked at it briefly when uh, in episode 10 when we looked at Jimin. Remember we had Jimin by the book. Uh, There were three chapters we considered for that episode, and the Jimin chapter from this book was considered. We looked at chapters, I believe it was three and five approximately a month ago and if you recall during that episode I shared with you what the format of this book is like. Not quite the first half, at least the first third of the book. Uh, Instead of having seven chapters back to back to back, Uh, featuring each member of the group, the author chose to uh, include those chapters uh, in the middle of what I would consider history uh, of the group, Uh, you know, tracking the group from pre-debut days to debut years to uh, where we are today with our uh, look at this book, yeah, kind of in the year or two following the group's debut. But but, but the seven chapters focused each in turn on a different member uh, is, is, is in a, an every other chapter format in this first third of the book. So, uh, that's why about a month ago we looked at chapters 3 and 5 because chapter 4 did not track the history of the group like chapters 3 and 5. It focused instead on one of the members of the group. Same is the case today. We're considering chapters seven and nine. So, chronologically, we're picking up where we left off with chapter five. And so, we're skipping chapter eight for the time being because it deals with one of the members. And by the way, if you're interested in our special uh, 10th episodes, uh, every 10th episode, we will be considering. Another member of the group by examining several chapters from several different books about that member. We have one coming up. This is episode 18, so we have one more before our twentieth segment, and that segment will focus on Sugar. I drew his name out of a hat, just like I drew Jimin's name out of a hat. So. Please be on the lookout for that episode. Uh, Sugar by the book is probably what I'll call it. Anyway, so the first roughly half of this book is very historical in nature, and Chapter Seven picks up in uh, BTS's second full year, and 2014. Uh, around September of that year, the chapter is called Red bullets. It runs from page 71 through page 79, so it's eight pages long. The first significant uh, mention of BTS in the chapter has to do with a manga style online comic uh, about them, featuring them. It was called We On Be The Shield and it was a big hit promoted webtoon according to the author. According to the author, this is evidence that BTS was continuing their growth in popularity from their debut. Uh, We get a kind of a, a, a diversification, so to speak, of Of formats and platforms uh, as BTS is shared with more and more people so uh, you get the sense in this late 2014 period that although the group is continuing to to rise in popularity gaining more and more fans that it's There's still some uncertainty about their future. And I really appreciate the way the author uh, touches on this. And it's very interesting to me, especially considering uh, yesterday, this is September 2021, uh, yesterday uh, BTS appeared uh, in person for the second time before the UN General Assembly. In New York City Uh, if you count their video appearance uh, which happened I don't know about a year ago this would be their third appearance before the UN and it's hard to imagine a time in BTS's history where when fans of them not to mention the group themselves uh, they would have had no earthly idea how big BTS would someday be. And if you had told someone back then, oh, I bet someday the group will appear multiple times before the UN General Assembly, people would have thought you were crazy, probably, especially in 2014. So this is exciting uh, for me to go back and and look at this uh, period of of their early development. So at the the mention of this webtoon. We have uh, some talk about uh, Dark and Wild uh, reaching number two in Korea and number three in the Billboard World Albums chart. Uh, Danger quote had climbed to number seven on the Billboard World Digital Songs chart. So this is around late September 2014 early October. Uh, In October, 2014, uh, we have the author mentioning a concert uh, for fans of approximately 5,000 in Seoul. And the event was to be called the Red Bullet. And that's where we get the title for this chapter. Uh, which is Red Bullets. According to our author this is a a historic occasion because it was their first ever solo full-length concert. So the concert hall evidently was sold out so quickly that organizers decided to add an extra night so Uh, It was originally scheduled for two nights. It turned out to be a a three-night event. This is, again, called the Red Bullet. On each night, according to the author, this ran uh, from October 17th through October 19th, 2014. There was an introductory video shared with the crowd and then two and a half hours looks like of Bangtan music. Magic. The author refers to it as magic. A 24-song set including hits such as Boy in Love, Danger, and Just One Day. The next paragraph refers to the song we opened with War of Hormone and that's because This song was a part of the 24 song, Set. Regarding War of Hormone, V, after these concerts, was quoted as uh, saying, With other songs, it was full of tension. But when we sing this song, that is War of Hormone, everyone was full of joy. Now, I remember remember saying this the last time we looked at this book uh, by Besley. That every few pages there will be, at least in this section of the book, uh, an insert of sorts. Uh, And it's a, it's a, it reminds me of what some books try to do in an interactive sort of way. Uh, But instead of this book being an ebook with a link embedded that you could click on and watch a movie or uh, video or something, the author has these inserts that he calls uh, Bangtan Bombs and it's a reference to the very popular uh, BTS video series online and he's referring here on this page to the War of Hormone video uh, with the Halloween theme so this a lot of you have probably seen it they're dressed up in Halloween costumes for Halloween 2014 and they're performing in their dance studio, practice studio, War of Hormones. So he's making a reference to that here, really encouraging people uh, to watch it if they haven't before or haven't in a while. So that's an interesting uh, aside. There are three Bangtan bomb uh, inserts in this chapter. On the next page, the author mentions the release of War of Hormone as a single accompanied by a music video. Uh, that ac- occurred on October 24th of that year. The next paragraph mentions a uh, live trilogy episode 2, The Red Bullet, which was a Japanese uh, concert and it was it represented another first for the group it was a full concert in a different language and this is the one part of this chapter I wish uh, the author had expanded on uh, sharing a page or two uh, uh, about what it was like what it would be like for a group to pull this off to make this happen Um, I don't know to this day how conversant BTS members are in Japanese. Uh, Does this come naturally for them as Korean-speaking young men? I do not know. I can only imagine that this was very challenging. And obviously, they've done so many songs uh, in in Japanese over the years. And so uh, this... Would have been a really big deal, and I would have loved to know more about how they prepared uh, for this uh, first-time event. But anyway, the next chapters, or I'm sorry, paragraphs, the next three paragraphs uh, speak about MAMA. It's M A M A, the uh, Mnet Asian Music Awards from late 2014. So this is a big, big deal. According to the author, this is, quote, arguably the most prestigious ceremony in the South Korean entertainment industry, end quote. So he goes on to say that since it was only their second year to be a group, uh, there was not a strong likelihood that they would win any awards, but they were asked to perform. And so this alone was a major achievement for the group, especially especially in their very early days. And there's a a good quote from J-Hope regarding how special this was for him. And uh, there's a reference here to what song BTS performed. It was Boy in Love. And then there's talk about something that was new to me, and that was a portion of the awards show that involved what was called the fight of the century which quote pitted bts against block b a similarly successful seven boy hip-hop style group end quote and so the author talks about what the face-off involved it involved a dance battle a rap duel a group performance and a joint performance i still have not seen the video of this although I imagine it's out there somewhere. Evidently it was a, a, a BTS was a, ended up being a fan favorite, especially when it came to the dance battle, uh, taking home 90.1% of the votes um, from those who voted. So that was Mama 2014, the first of uh, uh, many mamas that BTS would be involved with. And then Christmas comes along, late 2014, and the author talks about how this, uh, let me read this quote, Despite many in Korea doubting BTS's ability to win over new fans, they continued to prove these people wrong as their profile continued to grow. And evidence of this, seemingly, was their appearance on uh, K-pop Christmas specials, some of the really popular ones. And the ones mentioned here are M Countdown Christmas Special and the uh, Show Music Core End of the Year Special. And so, and then there was a New Year's. Uh, performance or appearance uh, on Soul Countdown 2 that came along shortly after Christmas. And evidently, according to the author, Jungkook was too young to stay up and work late into uh, the early morning hours, so he was not uh, a part of the New Year's... um, celebration. I don't imagine uh, he could have been a part of it at least around uh, midnight anyway. So I thought that was interesting. I hadn't heard that before, but that was mentioned here by the author. There's another Bangtan Bomb insert here. Uh, the title of this one is Someone Like You. Uh, it was. Uh, it's a reference to uh, a video that V uh, was featured in. He, uh, for his birthday, sounds like, uh, he asked on Twitter what fans would like him to cover. What song? Adele's Someone Like You was uh, chosen by fans, so he filmed himself uh, singing her song. So that may be something uh, some of you may be interested in. That was from very late 2014. Then we get some talk about the Soul Music Awards. And there are two words here referred to multiple times. I want to make sure all of you listeners uh, understand uh, wh- what they signify. And forgive me if I don't pronounce these right. As some of you know, I rarely pronounce things properly. Bon sang and dai sang. Bonsang B O N S A N G is a prize that's given out at the Seoul Music Awards this, this would be January 2015 we're we're talking about here Bonsang is a major prize but for ev- uh, for 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 many categories of the music awards uh, a number of bonsangs are given out so it's 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 a high honor but not the highest honor so you might be one of 10 recipients for uh, a Bansang in a category. But when it comes to a daisang D-A-E-S-A-N-G, that is a grand prize. And so uh, BTS, the author mentions, so at the 2015 uh, Soul Music Awards, uh, they picked up a bon song, and that was a, a a key indication that their uh, status in the K-pop scene and uh, their popularity was 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 growing for sure. But their ultimate ambition, of course, was a die song to to uh, someday win the grand prize. And there's a reference here. The author says uh, to, to get to that level, they would first need to secure, quote, a win on a music show, which became one of their goals uh, in early 2015. And I want to read this quote from the beginning of the next paragraph. This is page 77. By the time 2015 really got underway, BTS had established themselves as one of the 20 best acts in Korea. That was pretty good for a group that lacked the backing of one of the big three, were helping write their own material, and were still predominantly producing hip-hop-based music. But could they take their profile and performance up a notch? question mark and that's the end quote there and I really appreciate this uh, transition to uh, another part of the history here because the the author uh, highlights the fact that in the K-pop world if you don't make a big splash and do it early and maintain your momentum in a major way, you may fall to the wayside fairly quickly, which has happened to a lot of K-pop groups over the years. And so uh, the, the author doesn't use the word pressure here, but I've course, heard other authors talk about the pressure in the K-pop world, and this there was undoubtedly pressure to continue building and do it somewhat quickly on the the uh, the momentum they had uh, by the end of 2014. The author states that in 2015, at least early on, they, I guess this would have been late 2014, actually, they turned their attention. Uh, to Japan, and because they had a, a a large devoted following in Japan, I've already mentioned one concert they held uh, in in Japan, that fully Japanese concert, and so uh, the next two and a half paragraphs of this chapter uh, talk about. Uh, their growing popularity in Japan. There's a reference to a release of a Japanese language album called Wake Up at the end of 2014. According to the author it contained Japanese versions of all their most popular songs as well as three new tracks. The album reached number two in the Japanese charts according to the author. So obviously their popularity at this time is, is rapidly growing in in Japan. There's a reference here to a, six sold-out concerts in Tokyo, Osaka, Nagoya, and Fukuoka, reaching 25,000 according to the author. When they returned to Seoul, uh, the author says it was time for R.M., quote, to take the limelight. I wasn't aware of some of his solo ventures, non-musical solo ventures, but there's a reference to uh, a TV series called Problematic Men. And, uh... R.M. was evidently one of the hosts for a time. And then there's a reference to his long-awaited mixtape, simply called R.M. And uh, so that was a big deal uh, in early 2015. There's a reference in the next paragraph to BTS announcing two uh, concerts, that would be held in March of 2015. This was uh, slated for the Olympic Hall in Seoul and the concerts were called Live Trilogy Episode 1 BTS Begins. Uh, According to the author this show was a review of quote their career so far from the birth of the group to the red bullet. The last of the Bangtan Bombs uh, inserts uh, comes next and it's a reference to a February 2015 Bangtan Bomb called It's Tricky Is Title BTS Here We Go by Run DMC and the author makes a statement about this being a great video that demonstrates how the members of the group are just, they're still kids at this point, uh, just trying to have fun. And I think they, they still act that way, which is, is great, uh, even today. And that ends chapter seven. Chapter nine is called Beautiful Moments, which uh, is a reference in part, at least, to the new album from 2015. All but the the last few paragraphs in the chapter talk about the album, the most beautiful moment in life, Part One. Uh, it talks This chapter, for the most part, talks about the album's release, uh, things that led up to the release, and then there are two to three pages that talk about tracks individual tracks on the album so as many of you probably already know that in the the Korean music scene uh, the the so-called comeback uh, of a new album uh, it's it's a big deal a lot goes into it and the author does mention a few things here I won't go into all the specifics but there's a lot of lead-up build-up to the actual album release there's some talk about how the title for this album was chosen and what the concept was all about. And uh, there's a hint here that RM um, thought that uh, the, the concept involved young people, quote, cherishing their moments of joy and beauty, even though they may be struggling in school, in a job, or with their parents, or in a relationship," end quote. So, certainly a worthwhile, wonderful theme, um, which is undoubtedly one reason this album was so popular. Uh, There's a reference here to a video drop that occurred on April 29th, 2015. Uh, And this was the video for I Need You. And uh, this video is not like a number of their videos. According to the author, there's no dancing in it. And there's a description of how dark the video uh, is and how it had to be tamed or toned down a little bit, but even after that it was still uh, accompanied by a 19 plus uh, warning, uh, basically stating that it wasn't appropriate for younger uh, kids, younger teens. Uh, So there's some real harsh themes explored in this video and in the song. And Uh, There's talk about that here, about what those specifics uh, are all about. The author does a good job describing the I Need You uh, music video uh, in about four paragraphs, actually. I'm not going to read all that for you. A lot of good description, though. the author after that starts talking about the tracks and there are nine tracks on the new album. Uh, the first one here, I don't want to get bogged down here, but uh, uh, the author for two and a half pages talks about tracks so uh, and that'll take us close to the end of the chapter so I want to say something about these tracks uh, the first one was the intro track. Uh, it was a uh, featured rap from Sugar, and the author describes it as a passionate rant against the voices of self-doubt, which just sounds so perfect for Sugar. Uh, the next track was "I Need You." So, like I said, that was a, a big song that had a, a major music video that accompanied it. I am desperate to read the entirety of the paragraph that follows. uh, Talk about I Need You and that song. Uh, It's so well worded and so well uh, expresses uh, what was going on at this time in BTS history. Here's the quote. Those who discovered BTS at this point may not have quite appreciated that this was when it all came together. The transitions between singers and rappers are so much smoother. They move further away from hip-hop and towards a softer pop style, but they keep the beat alive. It it isn't an imitation of U.S. rap, and it isn't Korean hip-hop or pure K-pop. They were forging a sound which was truly their own, and I Need You was their most complete single yet. There is so much in that paragraph that uh, captures what was unique about BTS during this time and what has continued to be uh, unique about BTS. in, in in the in the following years up to now, it's just so it, it's such a, a a wonderful insight into when things truly start clicking, and after they started clicking, and the group figured out what their identity would probably end up being, more or less. Uh, how we've been able since then to see um, the fruit of, of, of all that gelling, I guess that's a a good word for it. Uh, there's talk about how, um, a choreo version of I Need You was released, uh, in a kind of a dance practice format, um, uh, later, because as I've already mentioned, there was no choreo in the music video. So I'm sure fans, uh, I wasn't a fan back then, but fans back then I'm sure were really excited about that. And I have seen the video since then, but uh, really good choreo. And the, the third track is mentioned here. Uh, it's called Hold Me Tight. It was it represented V's songwriting debut. So that that's cool. Uh, The fourth track was a skit called uh, Expectation. And I love the way the author describes this skit, just half a sentence. uh, Quote, the band discuss their hopes for the album or indeed whether they dare hope at all. End quote. And he follows that up with a sentence I'd like to read too. This shows the group's insecurity that they really want to believe they have a chance of success, but are held back by modesty or perhaps a lack of real self-belief. And isn't it hard to imagine BTS being a group at a time, uh, Isn't it hard to imagine a time when BTS struggled with doubt and wondering whether they would be one of the few uh, in K-pop to to make it, to stand the test of time and, and have a long, successful career? And that's, again, so interesting to think about with the backdrop of their most recent Appearance before the UN General Assembly. I mean, the, the, it's just such a, a, a wonderful journey we've gotten to uh, watch. But let's not forget uh, how it started and how much uncertainty there may have been back then. And how cool it is that the group was open and honest and authentic about all of that sharing it with people in skits like this. Uh, The fifth track was one of my favorite BTS songs, even to this day, and that's Dope. And the author talks briefly about how popular this became um, and how there were huge fans uh, talking about it, writing about it. Uh, in the U.S., so it had a, uh, a a far reach, and track six was called Boys With Fun. The author doesn't have a lot to say about that, but mentions how it was, it became, uh, quickly became a a fan favorite, uh, Seemingly uh, during live performances. And the seventh track was called Converse High, which I did not know until I read this that that had something to do with one seemingly trivial thing that RM appreciates in a girl. A girl who wears red Converse trainers. So I wasn't aware of that connection, but I think that's interesting. And then there's a reference here to the the members moving out of one of their early dormitories which required all 7 of them to sleep in the same room, and it was a big deal, I imagine when they moved into a three-bedroom dormitory where you know uh, only three of them had to share one room and uh, two each got to share the others. And that was a, uh, a move that was uh, highlighted in the eighth track of the album, simply called Move. And then the ninth and final track is the outro called Love Is Not Over and uh, Jin and Jungkook were featured in this uh, what the author refers to as a ballad. That's the end of the music talk for the most part in the chapter. Uh, There are only six or seven paragraphs remaining and most of the talk here is about V Live, and that's because I could not have told you a week or two ago when V Live, the V Live app, uh, first began, when it was created, made available to the public. I would have guessed a year or two ago. I I, I just didn't. Uh, I'm somewhat new to V Live, so don't mind admitting that. But it was launched in 2015 uh, in the summer 2015 and it in case you're not familiar with it, um, it is an app that allows uh, K-pop groups I guess it's mostly K-pop groups to post live and recorded videos with English translations and maybe according to the author chat with their fans in real time. Uh, so there are several par- paragraphs that describe the early year uh, of V Live and what uh, appeared on the channel, and the first BTS series on V Live was uh, a five-episode series called BTS Bok Bal Bok. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It was a uh, sound like a, a random game format and it took place in their dance studio so not a not a huge setting uh, there was a uh, fun quote music-based series called BTS Gaio that began broadcasting in August 2015 it involved eight episodes and it was mostly music-based according to the descriptions here Uh, There might be uh, an episode where the guys perform girl group dances uh, or uh, there might be some uh, members doing impressions of other K-pop singers, things like that. And then there's a reference to Run BTS. And if I... If I asked you to raise your hand, if you've seen uh, probably 50 Run BTS episodes, you, all of you listening might raise your hands. Uh, Certainly one of my favorite things to keep up with. And I uh, honestly didn't associate Run BTS with V Live. For some reason, I I think of it um, mostly as a YouTube thing, but I guess I'm just watching... Uh, different versions of it uh, that that have been posted on YouTube, but uh, according to the author, what was unique about Run BTS in the earliest form of it? Uh, it got the group out of the studio. It got them outdoors, you know, um, and doing various games, and challenges, and activities. Uh, there's talk here, as the chapter wraps up, about uh, some individual efforts from members like Jen and J-Hope, Jimin and V, uh, things they did through the V Live app. Uh, Jen's live show called Eat Jin is referred to here. Sugar and J-Hope's Hua Gay Marketplace is referred to here. Of course, J-Hope's Hope on the Street is referred to here. That's fairly popular. Um, And Jimin and V's What Are the 95s Doing is also referred to here. I have no idea how much of this is still readily available out there for you to watch in case you're uh, new to any of these. But uh, I imagine there's at least some Recordings online, uh, readily available. And then there's uh, a passing reference to what the group has done over the years through V Live, broadcasting live uh, backstage and award ceremonies or in the dressing room before a TV variety show. Uh, Obviously, they celebrate birthdays all the time. Uh, I guess RM had a couple on there recently because uh, of his. Most recent birthday. This uh, that's a standard thing that army and fans can count on uh, when it comes to uh, live video uh, on V Live. And I love the way the author ends the chapter. And as I said, it. It reads like a story, very close to it. He, he does a great job um, ending chapters with a little teaser, uh, something like a cliffhanger, but not quite, that uh, prepares you for the next uh, you know, chapter, uh, not of just the book, but of the, the next chapter in BTS's history. And uh, so the question, there's a question that ends a chapter. Could they finally take that elusive show victory referring to the, uh, you know, winning the ultimate grand prize at a prestigious award show. And so we'll have to wait and find out, uh, when that happened and, uh, what they won, and uh, all of that when we come back to this very impressive book, BTS Icons of K-Pop. So much of this book is history, but it reads like a story, and the author does a wonderful job uh, helping fans recall what it is that is so special about the group and why and sometimes it's hard for me to express what it is that I truly appreciate about BTS and authors like Adrian Besley they they simply remind me of those wonderful things so I get re-energized about uh, BTS and Uh, So I strongly encourage you uh, to take a a serious look at this book. Uh, It's available, I know, hard copy uh, without uh, a doubt. And then I imagine there are digital uh, editions available too. As always, I want to thank you for being a part of this podcast. Uh, If you feel in any way like you would want to support the podcast, I I deliberately avoid any convenient avenues to support me as a podcaster. I would rather encourage you to support uh, a very worthwhile cause, uh, Books for Africa. It's a group that has its sites. Uh, squarely set on the continent of Africa, especially uh, in horribly impoverished areas in Africa, and especially when it comes to books uh, being uh, readily available. This group has been around since the late 80s. They do great work. I do not work for them. I don't represent them. I have nothing to gain from you supporting them. I just believe, and I, I I believe this from the moment I check them out online, this is a group that stands for the kinds of things that BTS stands for. And it happens to it happens to deal with books as well. So it makes it a great fit for this podcast. You can find out Everything you would like to know about Books for Africa at booksforafrica.org online. There's an easy way to donate there. If you do make a donation, and if you make a donation uh, because you heard about Books for Africa through this podcast, I'd love to know about that. Please email me uh, that kind of message at btsbythebook at gmail.com. Send me questions, comments, recommendations for other books that you haven't heard me talk about yet. All of that can be shared with me at btsbythebook at gmail.com. I am the type of person to not just say this, but I will follow through. If you email me, I will email you back. I will reply. And uh, thank you again for joining me. I look forward to being with you next time for episode 19 and then be on the lookout for our special episode on sugar which will be our 20th episode have a great rest of the week we will see you next time